are now rolling. Yes. Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. <laughs> me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hello, and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Waterworth. My name is Scott Westby. Hey, Scott. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm so good. Good. You know why I'm great? Because Briar's in the room with us today. <laughs> hey, yeah. She's the one that makes <laughs> this happen. She doesn't always get to be here when we record, so. It's true. It's nice to see her there smiling and we all attended the rosie awards the rosies were wonderful oh man such a good time yeah you know what i liked the best about them hmm. was ampia just in general yeah just overall like it's wonderful. such it's such a huge event to put on every mm. year and uh they do a great job good food good people good times vegetarian option lots of uh recognition yeah and jeb fink was the host that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. right on so good yeah uh and congrats uh, to everybody who won though yeah, actually everybody, yeah, it was it was a great night. Got some great recognition, and uh, yeah, looking forward to next year. Definitely. Uh, and you're telling me that DGC also has a, a new website? They do have a new website. Is that DGC Alberta, or is it it's all, all? It's all DGC.ca, okay. like and then all the yeah, all the all, all the right. districts have uh, have the new website template as well. Okay, let me just look at it. right now. And it now. looks pretty slick, and it looks like uh, it's kind of putting a, a greater focus on the news, and they've got these kind of oh, yeah. these panels that you can search through, which is pretty sweet. So that's awesome. Very nice. Um. I also want to shout out uh, to uh, the the team that went down to LA this mm-hmm, last week. Mm-hmm. Mayor Nahed Nenshi, mm-hmm. uh, Tina Alford from Actra. Who else was there? Fucking I Jeff, saw Brinton, Jeff Brinton, goddamn and uh, Luke, Luke Azevedo, Azevedo and, and um, Aaron O'Connor. Aaron O'Connor was there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ayatsi Head. I'm forgetting his name. Damien Petty. Damien Petty. Yeah, there a ton of people. So good group. Yeah, yeah and and what a what a great. Um, way to sell our industry uh, and, mm-hmm. and especially with everything that we got going on right now so thanks to everyone for making that happen yeah so nice that that, uh, that that's going down yeah back to the dgc website though one thing that i liked about it was like i could i could get right to the alberta website right well now you gotta you gotta hover over district district councils now on the right district. and then you can oh, see alberta see. there, there. okay okay yeah. that's easy all right yeah and then there's some pictures of like heartland and Ooh. other things filming yeah alberta notice some some local faces mm-hmm Anyway, let's get right into the interview, Matt, because I'm bored of hearing our own voices. Yes, let's get right to it. Here it is. Yeah, yeah, you say? yeah you're good right there. Okay. Awesome. So, um, oh boy, where to begin? Uh, like the first time that you and I met um, would have been in Victoria School of Performing and Visual Arts. When I was there, it's now called Victoria School of the Arts, I think. Uh, and you were instructing the TV option class. And, uh, and you were... A very different teacher, uh, and uh, and I think actually, if you, I'm sure you've Googled yourself once or twice. There's there's a a, a, a website that like grades teachers, and you're like one of the best in the world. <laughs> like you're among the highest rated teachers on the website. So, um, so yeah, you're, I think you're you've changed some lives. You're you're a huge mentor to people like Matt Gillespie, who runs Joe Media in Calgary right now. Um, so so yeah. Wh- I, I guess that's where I first met you, but let's talk about your your film journey. You're an AFI grad as well, so wh- maybe that's a place to start. Or where? Actually, the question I often start with is, how did you decide that film was something you wanted to get into or get involved with? And how old were you around that time? Yeah, excellent question. That uh, that's Took one a long one time thing. <laughs> it, it was a real good preamble, <laughs> and I think the warm up was good. Like it's a real fact filled exposition yes, laden yeah. act one. <laughs> But I feel our act two is going to really go <laughs> there somewhere. There was an agenda in the question. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, what I what I notice about, um, and maybe I learned this from uh, teaching video or teaching film students like yourself, mm-hmm. but um, I, I often ask myself uh, whether or not um, um, am I am I a filmmaker who teaches? Am I a teacher who makes films? And whereas when I started, I always saw myself as a filmmaker, and I think although um, it is always hard to distance yourself from. It, it's very hard to s- sit back and, you know, watch yourself, you know, going through your life's journey. That's course, not what yeah. you should do. You right. should go through your journey. Right. However, as a film person, as you know, we spend our lives sitting back and watching other people. Mm. And by definition, we tend to sit back and watch ourselves. And right. so I, I've just noticed that really in observing the film journeys of my own students, students like yourself, mm-hmm. I've started to come around in the last five, ten years to thinking that maybe I've changed from being a filmmaker teacher or from being a teacher um, filmmaker to a filmmaker teacher. And Mm. maybe that's a small change, but for me, I see it as quite a significant change. And so um, to answer the question, um, when I was in school, I can't really say that I um, thought that I would be a filmmaker, even though when I think about it, when I taught students such as yourselves, I always responded and remembered it this way that that I wanted to be a filmmaker since I was a kid but the truth is it it always seems to come back to myself teaching students and students informing my filmmaking journey Mm. in some usual unusual way and we'll get to that for sure yeah for sure (laughs) and so um so really when I started and this I don't think I've answered this question before I was teaching a high school course in Wetaskiwin, Alberta, which is the job that I was doing prior to um, Victoria School asking me to come, and that's how you and I ran into one another. And I used to teach uh, English 30, and I used to teach Drama 30, and I used to do plays and uh, and that sort of a thing. So um, I'm not sure if it was my first class. I think it was. Maybe my second class. I had these two guys who came to me one day and said, uh, we want to make this movie. And I literally remember thinking this thought that, how come they get to make a movie? These are my <laughs> students. Forget about it. Like, I was kind of angry. What about me? Yeah, yeah in a way. That's what it was. And the re- then I, later I find out, here's what they were after. They, uh, so, so I taught English, but at night I would, I did this radio show in Wetaskiwin. Oh, this, this is all okay. new stuff that you know, don't know. So you may as well find out on your blog. <laughs> Why go. not interview me for your show and find out <laughs> stuff you that go. you and I never got around to at so, Victoria But yeah, but, but are you, you're, you're through the AFI at this point already? Uh, nope. No, oh, you nope. haven't gotten, but so, you do have your English degree. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was planning on hitting the AFI at the midpoint. Okay. Like if Scott is listening to this, <laughs> the midpoint of act two, I feel is AFI based gotcha. on how you forced me to structure the answer. Based Agreed. on uh, your, okay, that your makes long sense. preamble <laughs> act one question. Uh, so, um, I thought, boy, this is interesting anyway. So to keep myself engaged, I would, um, I would work, there's this radio station in this little town and I convinced them to let me do this radio show. So I did this at night just because, this is the way I've always been. And then I also did a little community television. Okay. And I just, I, I, at the time I was doing it to say, how can I make English more interesting? How can I make drama more interesting? Mm. How can I make myself a richer uh, teacher, instructor? How can I do things that perhaps 
might inform and make my education um, hopefully more relevant to my students? How can I make myself better? How can I engage that mm -hmm. adolescent was what I was thinking. So anyway, I found out that they knew that I was doing this radio show and really what they wanted out of me was to do the audio edits for the soundtrack for this film. Oh, interesting. So okay. they wanted me for tech reasons. <laughs> okay, so okay. That's okay. Huh. And so the movie that they made <laughs> was called uh, Friday Night Fever. Okay. And so they take the John Travolta Saturday Night Fever, and it was just, just Looney Tunes thing where um, that was just the title, but it was really a st the story of these guys from Wetaskiwin who challenged the Edmonton Oilers to play a <laughs> hockey game, somehow they convinced them to let the game go. So we were faking this footage where they would go to the Oilers games and just illegally shoot eight, they was eight millimeter. It was oh, kind of cool. Really? They were shooting eight millimeter nice. footage. You know, they'd sit at the back of the Rexall place, look around, roll tape, <laughs> and we would just shamelessly cut it into this thing. That's and awesome. then they take shots of them as only adolescents can do. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, and, and it was uh, eight mil, it was silent. So um, they were using an agra. So, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't synced, you know, huh. like the, the way we all should start. Right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, my first experience with them was doing the audio, uh, recording the audio and syncing it up with the um, video because it didn't have a sound strip. Okay. And they basically shot this movie and did a little premiere with it. So the so that's that. And then along the way, they decided they wanted me to act in it. Ah. And so of course they they don't write scripts because students don't <laughs> no. write scripts, no. which is why yeah the, you're talking about screenwriting earlier before we started and yeah that's the big thing. <laughs> yeah. You want me to actually write scripts? <laughs> so anyway that that was they were not interested in that at all. And so <clears throat> they said we want you to play this part of a. Uh, we want you to be the guy like Don Cherry who interviews us between uh, periods. Nice. So I said, yeah. So I said, you got a script? They said, no, you can just make it up. So anyway, what I did was um, I wore this suit. And back then, CBC used to wear these horribly blue suits. Okay. So I'd wear the blue suit. And they and I said, what's the character's name? They said, we don't know. So I said, fine, I get it. Right, so they'd roll the camera on me, and I would just improv these long, uncut um, <laughs> Riffs, Ashworthisms, exactly. <laughs> and so the name of the character was Bob Blue, and I would run these interviews <laughs> with these guys, and I would always drop every once in a while I'd drop these joke, which is why I'm wearing a blue suit, and I would just continue <laughs> this routine. So in the end, they loved it and started building this character up in the film. And right. So anyway, yeah, I did this character, re recurring character, plus I edited the audio, and that's how it started. Okay. So then they decided they wanted to make another. And the, here's the other thing I loved about it is. So the, the cost of the film was something like, you know, four or 500 bucks. Then they did a little premiere. They did a kind of a dinner theater. They invited all their friends and their dads. They charged them for the dinner theater and they made their money back nice. for the film on the premiere night. <laughs> Screen it once, make a profit, go make another film. There you go. And I thought, so then I'm even more upset, right? Right, I right. Go, These guys are- It's a profitable you know, film. Yeah, they're making films and they're making money and they're <laughs> distributing it and they're doing it in one night and why am I not doing this? Right. So then what happened was I said, you know, I got to do this. So then the second script they did, I wrote the script ah, okay. and uh, directed it for them. And then the next one I wrote it and directed for them. And that's kind of how it started. Huh. So- my student, that's another version of my students encouraging me to do the thing that I now encourage students right, to do. Right, Very cool. So, so then you went to, down to LA? Is that? 
All right, so we're not quite to the midpoint, but okay, we're a couple okay. scenes into Act Two. Or, or did you go and teach a bit? Uh, no. Okay. Excellent. No to either. I'll All give right. you one more, and then I'll dive in. <laughs> no. So what happened was, so that was the beginning you sell of cars in Wetaskiwin. Uh, well, they cost less. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. That's right. No. Strike three, then. <laughs> okay, here we go. I'm in now. So uh, yeah, so this was early in my teaching career there, and then par- part way through, this would have been um, um, four, five, six years later. Um, I decided that um, I would apply to AFI. Actually, prior to that, a year or two in, no, I was four years in, and then I applied actually to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Oh, I went okay. down and did an act, acting training. Well, really? Uh, again, I haven't talked to you Holy. about this. Let's, let's share this with the world. <laughs> yeah, so four years into that gig, I did stop teaching. I applied, I auditioned as an actor. I didn't necessarily want to be an actor, but I wanted to take some actor training. Right. So I spent a year down in L.A. just going to American Academy. The American Academy of Dramatic Arts is in uh, New York, started in New York. That's where, like Robert Redford School. A lot of people wow. train there. Yeah. wouldn't say it's at the same level as Actor Studio. Right. I, I wouldn't say it's at that at that level, but it's, it's a reputable school. It was yeah. good. I loved it. But then they opened one in L.A., so I went down to L.A., and I was there for a good portion of a year, a semester, and I trained there, and I did it. And while I was there, I ran into a guy who used to work on the Dukes of Hazard. Oh. And um, he was a first AD, came from Florida. He originally was on a, a John Voight film called The Champ, and then oh. the, the production crew moved to L.A. for post-production, got a job as first AD on the Dukes. He was the father of one of the girls I was in the acting program with, so we started talking film, and then he started dealing with people at the American Film Institute, and I was involved with acting on some of their projects, so then Ah. I started to think, okay, this is interesting, so I filed that back to Alberta, making just kind of low budget, no budget, eight millimeter. Really? At this point, synth films. Yeah. Yeah, I think we did two or three full length Eight millimeter sync, but eight millimeter still film. It's you totally, blow it, totally. It's, of course, yeah. Uh, I haven't gone back to eight mil, and I often wish that I've done some sixteen, but uh, not full length sixteen. That's back when Mac Gillespie, when I was right. you know mentoring him. Right. But but anyway. Uh, Wait, so what year yeah. are we talking here? You so we're talking. Um, I went to the American Institute in eighty six, eighty seven. Okay. This acting training I did years prior. It went back for a few years and then reapplied. Um, and I, I um, this is a good story. I decided I wanted to uh, pursue a master's, so I applied to the University of Alberta to do an MFA in playwriting because I'd won a couple of writing contests, Edmonton Journal, yes. uh, One Act Play Festival. And then at the same time, I applied to AFI. And um, so when I went for my interview at U of A, they said, well, in our master's program, we only take one student, and we looked at your stuff. We're going to take you, so Whoa. you're accepted. Whoa. So I said, great. So I was ready to take a leave of absence and go. And again, I'm sitting in class. Principal knocks on the door. Uh, says, my wife's on the phone. And I go, ooh. So I come, and she says, you just got a call from the American Film Institute. They want to talk to you. You've been accepted in their program Whoa. as well. <laughs> but you're on a wait- you were on a waiting list and um, you need to respond right away, otherwise your spot goes to someone else. Right. So I said to the principal, uh, here's a piece of chalk, and I went down and, and <laughs> jumped on the phone and phoned right. them. 
and they said, um, yeah, I mean, you weren't our first pick kind of thing, but we're going through our list. People basically go to USC, they go to US, UCLA, UCLA, they go to AFI. So they said, if you're interested, we have a spot, but we need to know now. Right. And I said, well, I just got accepted. And, and, and I remember them saying, no, we're not interested in that. We're asking if you want to come, great. If not, I have other people. Where right, you're, right. This is not your, yeah, oh, I get it. <laughs> So, um, and then I, oh, I said, so, so your options are a one student master's class, yes, which is that you're the one student been accepted yeah. or go to the AFI. Exactly. All right. So really what it was, it was, a, it was a fork in the road, Matt, between film and theater. Oh, and I knew okay. that it was right. that big, right. not that you can't do either, but sure. it was, uh, I, I felt, you know, there are times in life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this was a life, important life decision. So I remember so clearly as I remember things that others don't, but I know this is the way it went down. So I phoned my wife and said, you know what? Here's the deal. What do you think? And her line was, well, you would never forgive me if I, for some reason, told you that you shouldn't take this (laughs) AFI opportunity. So I go, exactly. So I phoned them back and said, yes. Then I had to go back to U of A and tell them, you know what? Here's what's happened. And, um, it, it, it was a problem, right? Because they'd committed to me and right. they would have had to go back to someone who uh, they... Second who, choice. Yeah, all of that. But um, so I, I, you know, I, I did the best I could, but really what choice did I have? And my yeah. choice, yes, I had a choice to go on the theater route and right. I just felt it's that thing. Mm-hmm. So your original question was how long and why film and when right. did you decide? Right. So that was a second version of, you know, it's kind of always been there. Interesting. You know, it, it, it's it's like Dorothy Wizard of Oz. It's right, been there all right. along. For whatever reason. Um, you had to make a decision. Yeah. Much a- like in screenwriting, choice under yeah. pressure. I, absolutely. Des- decides who you were. Yeah. Scott Westby, 101.23, <laughs> I would say. Right. Yeah, yeah you, you know, making that... Uh, Putting a character in under a pressure cooker, decisions yeah. under duress are more powerful than yeah. having uh, infinite amounts of time to make decisions. And uh, but again, it reiterates that um, an- another life lesson slash screenwriting lesson is when you make a decision, you you never really truly know whether that decision is authentic unless you make it under extreme duress. Mm. And that's when you it's like finding out whether or not you would save you know, the baby who's drowning right, or right. rolling under the car. Right. You can think that you would do what you would do, but you truly don't really know right. until it happens. Right. No one can. And so when that came, particularly because it was a double decision, um, that also reinforced, yeah, for whatever reason, and there is no reason, right. there's no answer to this question, um, you, you got to make films or you don't. But right. I, a lot of times when people talk to you about, you know, you go to screenwriting seminars, you read books, whatever it is, you go to blogs or you, you go to master classes or you have writing consultants. Most of the time they'll say, you know, don't be a screenwriter unless there's just no other option right. for you. And if right. there's no other option, it's not about whether you succeed or whether you make it or how long it'll take or whether you should get an agent. You are, it's a compulsion. There's really no decision to be made. Right. So yeah, and that's how AFI happened. Uh, yeah, part way yeah, through and, that. Yeah, and and you have to love it because there's a ton of rejection yeah. and suffering and pain involved, and yeah. and that pain's got to be worse to not do it. Is is uh, you know that's something yeah. that actors hear a lot. I think for sure. Um. So tell me about the American Film Institute. So what was interesting with the American Film Institute is, 
I, I, everyone has a different opinion on how valuable film school is. Lots of people yeah. say, don't spend your money in tuition, go take your money and make a film. Sure. And, and, um, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Mm -hmm. But what I got out of the, the American Film Institute was, and this I know I have said before, probably to you in a class, mm -hmm. but you might've been dozing off, Matt. So uh, yeah, I'll yeah. say it again. <laughs> um, what I learned from the American Film Institute was, um, that, when you actually go down to Los Angeles and when you're actually studying with teachers, professors, filmmakers who were in the business and, and some of them are towards the end of their career and they're coming back to teach, everybody's in a different place. I think the real lesson for me, and I'm not saying it was true for anyone else, is that you realize the light goes on at some point during the year where you say real human beings... Uh, get up in the morning and some of them go teach school and some of them work in banks and some of them are waiters, but some of them get in vehicles and they go down to studios or they're independent yeah. filmmakers and they make movies. Right. And even though that should be an obvious thing, right. there, you can't, someone can't tell you that you have to feel that and you can't feel that without, uh, not necessarily Los Angeles, but without going somewhere where people are making real movies. Mm -hmm. I would say in this day and age, your generation, say Matthew Gillespie's generation, that is not that maybe isn't necessarily true anymore. I, 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 w I wouldn't want to say whether it is or isn't. But when I was doing it, you know, mid 80s, early 90s, obviously things have changed since then. Mm -hmm. And so much, much harder to carve out a film career outside places like Los Angeles right. than today. For sure. But at For the sure. time, which is the time I was doing it, that was a very, very important cathartic moment mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. So you're, you were talking about the instructors and professors that are that are there. Some of them were massive, like huge filmmakers, yep. like Oscar winners and things like that. Yep. So what, what was it? I mean, I, I couldn't imagine the pressure of that program as well. Yeah. Thinking about it now, that would be, and obviously I'm sure it's changed a bit, but what was, what was it like there? I know, I'm sure you have some story. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing that I loved about the American Film Institute was um, every day we would watch movies mm. and they would give you this schedule. And I even kept some of my schedules because I just found it such a profound thing. So, so um, w at the time when I went there, you had to be accepted as a, um, in a category. So you're a screenwriting fellow, you're a directing fellow, okay. you're a producing fellow, you're gotcha. cinematographer or you're um, design. Okay. Those are the five. The design area only had four or five students. The producing, directing, cinematography and screenwriting only had a cap of 25. They took 120 a year. The year I went, they took 92. Mm. Um, uh, 25 screenwriters. The year I went, I think they accepted, you know, 21 or 20 or 19 uh and only three in canada the year i went two wow. from toronto and myself i was the only albertan at the time wow. so you know i and i'm 100 percent sure that i would have been not necessarily first choice but um whatever right the reason i actually another reason beyond working with this first ad is um I I think it actually when I was in LA in acting school, now that I think about it, there was a film that came out by Terrence Malick, and now Terrence uh -huh. Malick is more well known. Yes, 
And I have talked about this in class. I think you actually were away for, uh, awake for part of this oh. class. I do remember. You, you shot out to the bathroom, but I, I, I revisited oh, it. Oh, thanks. And then I, well, I did a bit of trashing, but and you knew what I was doing, and they knew you knew. Anyway, I made the point. But um, Terrence Malick did this film called Days of Heaven. Yes. Nobody's really seen it. But the reason why I liked it, one, it started as Richard Gere. It was actually shot in Alberta yeah. in the Badlands. Mm-hmm. And the sound person on that film was Nestor Alamendros. And Nestor Alamendros, sorry, uh, the cinematographer was Nestor Center Alamendros. Okay. And what he was known for was uh, uh, um, um, natural lighting. He didn't use lighting instruments. He came from Europe. And on the shoot, I found this subsequently, there was lots and lots of um, controversy about the way he was doing it. It took so long. And even controversy about the way um, Malik records audio and and a little bit further from the actors and hmm. just lots and lots of things because Terrence Malik came from Michigan. He came from kind of an academic background. He was like a an English teacher. Uh, how he evolved in the film was a little different. So he never saw himself as a commercial filmmaker. So anyway, I watched that film and 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 it. I just love that film. And anyway, he went to AFI. So I would say for the decision between coming back to LA and choosing AFI versus UCLA versus USC was Terrence Malick. Also, David Lynch went to AFI. Oh, really? Yeah, in a little different kind of way. I'm actually reading uh, right now a book called Lynch on Lynch. There's a whole series Uh about, you know, Woody Allen on Woody Allen, Mm -hmm. Bergman on Bergman. And I'm reading the Lynch book and... um, just how Eraserhead was produced. And yeah. So it wasn't really part of the traditional. Uh, so I went to AFI, but technically I went to the Center for Advanced Film Studies. AFI is really into film preservation. Uh, it's right. in Washington, right. D.C. Yeah. So their Los Angeles campus is for training. Gotcha. So it's a, so we call it AFI, and that's what it is. But it does other things, of course. Sure, it has sure. the AFI Top 100. Right. So there is a bigger mandate. Uh, actually, AFI started by John F. Kennedy. Really? And George Stevens, who made the film Giant um, with James Dean, George Stevens Jr., his son, was the first director of AFI oh. and, and ca- was the big launch and brought it to L.A. And huh. So he was a big mover and shaker behind that program. Anyway, there was a dude called uh, Tony Villani who was the instructor down there, and um, he was this um, um, Hungarian documentary filmmaker and when he would haul us into our classes after we did our little films, and the way he would rake us over the coals, he would say <laughs> stuff like he'd, he'd get us all in the room, and he would go, um, you know, the audience has just wasted 20 minutes. You have just wasted 20 minutes of your audience's life, and they can never get it back. <laughs> and that's how he would start, right? Almost all of them. And then he would wow. just eviscerate us and we oh this is great i'm paying tuition for this (laughs) and out he would go but anyway uh i'm just currently reading david lynch and he's talking tony villani oh really so it's so neat that so many of the people that i had as professors who who started the program were there when these other guys were Mm -hmm. there so Mm -hmm. lynch would have been there uh six seven eight years ahead ahead of me huh. and um the year i was there um carl franklin was there and carl franklin directed um devil with a blue dress um which was oh, a wow. um uh, yeah and he, he he started out doing television hmm. but um he's probably he's the only or one of the few from the year that i went that i would say um, that i tend to see right 
Uh, there was a few others, but right. which doesn't matter. Like it was a strong program. But anyway, I, I found that it was that interactivity that made it made it um, powerful. But it's also going to films every day, like right, I said. So they right. give us the schedule. They wouldn't give it to us for the whole year. It was awesome. Right. They wait till Monday morning and they say, this is what you're doing this week. <laughs> and like I would be watching um, probably... 12 to 15 films a, a week. Right. And so at the end of that year, I calculated wow. that I, I, I did watch two, 300 movies. Wow. And when I look back, never again, even though I'm, I, I tend to be a prolific film, you know, attender as most of us in the industry should be. Uh, I've never gone to as many films as I did the year that I went no, to AFI. And so film school creates a window window for you to explore and study mm. and look at film beyond entertainment and see yourself yeah. as a filmmaker. Right. So, how was there time to also make films if you're watching one or two movies every day? Yeah. So the interesting thing about it is they give you a schedule. So as a screenwriting fellow, I have my screenwriting classes. I have the film screenings that are in the morning, afternoon, at night, Friday nights, Saturdays. Like it just runs all the time. Right. And then you also have your production times when you go into production mode. So when you're in production mode, essentially you pull back from your classes, you pull back from going to screenings. So it's not that they're trying to set you up for not go to everything, but you have to learn to manage your time, which right. is one of the many things that, so there's a lot of real subtle hmm. structural things that I, as, as a teacher now see how they were working us, the right, mind right. games that they were working to set us up for success right, in the business. Right. Interesting. So yeah, so how would you do that? You don't have to go to class. It's not high school. Right. Uh, when you were in high school, you didn't go to class anyway. <laughs> so why the heck should it be different in college when I'm paying tuition? Okay, that's one. So anyway, um, so then you pull back and you're in production mode, then you go into post. And so that was the kind of the rhythm of okay. it. You so, choose so you your go, schedule. You go when you can and yeah. you make and films when, when you and, can. But the most important thing is, yeah, if you're not making movies, there's no point going to AFI. So they right. recognize that they're encouraging you to say, you got to get your production team together and you right. got to go. Right. You got to have to do it. So, so and are yeah. you, are you like writing papers or being critical of the films as well? Like, do you have to, uh, no, one no. of the things I liked about AFI and one of the things I appreciated about, um, my, um, recent masters, which we may talk about, I assume we'll talk about that. I just finished is, um, I found it, um, really powerful, to uh, be able to focus just on the filmmaking, just to be able to focus on the script writing. I didn't have to write um, essays right. for the sake of writing essays. I didn't really even have to write critiques. Um, definitely, you know, we had classes and we critiqued our work, but everything was really meant to be focused on yourself as a screenwriter and mm. working within the context of a team with a director and a cinematographer and s sound person and right. a designer. Um, it wasn't academically focused. It was production focused. So gotcha. it was ideal. Okay. So once that wraps up, you're back in Alberta because you're, you're married, you're starting your family. Yeah. You gotta, you're not thinking of staying in LA or anything like that. Uh, no, actually what was interesting, the other thing about that is, so the two sons that my wife and I, I have, as you know, essentially that was another thing that I looked at. I thought this is kind of my last kick at the cat just in terms of really, um, um, exploring it on a full-time basis where I'm not working mm -hmm. and I'm, 
having the opportunity to take a leave of absence and put in a full committed year to film school. And then our first son, Jordan, was born a year and a half-ish after we came back from AFI, and our next son, Dylan, was born another uh, three years after that. Right. So uh, I'm married, but prior to a family, and had we had little children, right. um, uh, I wouldn't have done that. Gotcha. So I also knew that just in terms of us, you know, <clears throat> when we decide we want to start a family, it was built around this. And so that was a negotiation between my wife and I sure. to say. Yeah. So, and, and that's one of the great things, right, that if you're a filmmaker, if you're a, anybody in the arts, um, your family is a part of that journey, and you have to negotiate that because totally. they are – my my wife, I don't know if I've said this to her, but I mean, she's a filmmaker because right. our family, you know, that's what I do. So right, she's anyway. a, yeah, we all yeah. need support. Yeah, that's yeah, a... for sure. So, uh, so what happened after school? Is that did you go back to teaching? Or yeah, what? so I went okay. back to teaching, went back to uh, Wetaskiwin, and then now we're kind of moving into. Um, uh, the Matt Gillespie zone a little bit. Okay. Um, I started making short 35, sorry, 16 millimeter films. And um, yeah, I did a, a couple of short little films and I just raised the money however I raised it. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, Craig Robleski. I hired him. And really? Yeah, he came in and he was a shooter. Wow. He was a shooter for me prior to Heartland. And you guys huh. go back to Heartland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt Gillespie knew him. So I had him on there. I'll give you a Craig Robleski story. <laughs> he would sit there and he was the operator. I had a DOP essentially that I brought from LA who was one, one of the main reasons I, the two reasons I went to AFI were one, I wanted to learn as much as I could about screenwriting. Mm-hmm. And two, I wanted to pick up a cinematographer. That was uh, my goals because I knew I'd come back and make my own films. Right, right, right. So uh, a guy named Mark Shapiro who lived in Seattle but was in L.A. for that year, he was my cinematographer for uh, four different films. Oh, wow. I made a film called Reel to Reel, was a, which was a kind of a, about a rock, a rock group and uh, kind of a drinking driving thing. Okay. I did a film called The True Meaning of Girls, which uh, David yes. Kelso yes. then recreated as a student in Vic. Right. Um, I did a film called, um, um, I did a film that was kind of about uh, gambling. It was called Lip Sync. Mm-hmm. And then I did a film called Samantha Says, which was a short film about a relationship between uh, a little girl and her mother and her grandmother, kind mm-hmm. of a three-generation story. Right. All shot 16 mil, all shot with that cinematographer over a period of, um, you know, three, four, five years prior to Vic, all prior to Vic. Wow. And those were the films that got me the job at Vic, not that that's why I did it. So so when I was in Wetasco and I was just making movies, kind of okay, like what cool. you're doing, make one, find another, find another, find another. How are you sourcing uh, gear? Like, like where's the film um, camera? I, I was pulling it from, no, William F. White pulling it oh, from really? Calgary. Wow. Yeah, yeah, we just uh, got, and like Craig comes from Calgary. And, yeah, yeah. Um, where else did we get it? Yeah, we, we went to rental houses and, you know, you can't get it in Wetasco. No. And, um, but anyway. Fava was probably just getting started around uh, that time. Yeah, that's true. Fava, Fava. I remember going to a Fava meeting actually. Uh, oh yeah. I think I was even at the first Fava meeting. Really? They, they wouldn't remember, but <laughs> no. I remember going to it. Wow. And, but it would have been back like early eighties. Huh. So I didn't really have much to do with Fava until I was at Vic. Right. Yeah. Like that's basically how, how that went down. And, uh, so you're making uh, movies and yeah. that, but you also have an English degree. So yeah. you're teaching English still? Uh, yeah, I was teaching a lot of drama. Okay. I, I evolved okay. out of right, that. Right, of course. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So wow. I, I wasn't teaching film, but because I was making films, that's how 
uh, Tammy Dollar Coltman and Greg Dollar Coltman. That's how I arrived at Vic. Oh, In wow. fact, I'll tell you how I arrived at Vic. <laughs> My wife is a singer, and she was doing musicals at her church. And uh, Tammy Dollar Coltman's mother was directing these musicals. Really? And they needed someone doing tech. So I went in and did the lighting. Oh, I man. Did the sound. And, wow. I, you know, doing some sets and stuff like that. And so then they were looking for a teacher at Vic. And so she said, off the record, there's this guy. You got to interview this guy. And he makes movies and blah, blah, blah. And I had actually made a film at Vic for ADAC, I think it was. I, I, I did a lot of corporate videos, too. I think you showed too. us an ADAC thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I did a lot of ADAC stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. But I, I did one where I used Vic as a location prior to coming to Vic, prior ah. to me even thinking of coming to wow. Vic. So when I came for my interview, I thought, oh, I've been here before. And, you know, when you shoot, you're in locations, you just don't remember. And I thought, right. wait a minute, I've actually <laughs> made a film here. Oh, okay. No, that's, it's so true cool. though because your your brain yeah. is in so many places. I know. Yeah. yeah, it's happened to me too. Where where it's been like, oh, I I've shot something here. That's, yeah, yeah. It's totally well, it's filmmakers' re- remember memory, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, when you walk through a location you've shot, <laughs> there's some part of your brain that remembers you shot. Right. Here. Right. So it's, well, and you've uh, thought about it differently than most people probably have thought yeah, about yeah. that space. Yeah. Uh, so. So you're, do you have a do you have a teaching degree as well, like an yeah. education degree? Oh yeah, and an English degree. Yeah, and well, you went for acting school, and yeah. you went to AFI. Yeah, you've done a bit of education, and you're yeah. telling me there may be another master's degree that I don't know about. Uh, yeah, I, I mentioned it to you on a, an email um, recently, within right. the last year. Right. That, uh, but coming to class only works if you come to class right. and emails only work if you read them right that's two i go i, I do have one i more. know what you're talking about i, <laughs> I didn't do have know one what they were connected. yeah and i the reason why it wasn't clear is because i didn't make it clear right okay so so let's make it clear <laughs> now uh, right uh, we're having a conversation teaching 101 <laughs> i would hope <laughs> that's what scott told me but oh no that's screenwriting i'm the teacher right yeah so um yeah like i mean i just uh uh when, when i was basically um looking at um uh you know, the academic side of things versus the filmmaking side. My uh, first degree was uh, an English degree in English language and literature. And then when I was done that degree, because I did it in Ontario, then I took a kind of an after degree to get my teaching credentials. Mm. So my Bachelor of Education I did. So I, I actually did five years of university. Wow. Uh, the BA plus the B.Ed. And when I was in that, so I did a Basically, I'm, uh, it was teaching high school English, but I minored in drama because I wanted to. So again, I hadn't done drama, hadn't written plays. Same thing for whatever reason, um, you know. So what's a high school English teacher doing working at a radio station and working at cable TV? <laughs> right, right. What is an English teacher doing? Well, it's not that you couldn't minor in drama, but I here's another memory that I have. My first day of teaching in history in my first job in Toronto, right after I got out of university, I remember I. Maybe I'm making this up. I'm pretty sure I'm not. But I remember teaching my first lesson in my first hour, maybe 10 minutes in, saying, I got to get out of this. <laughs> wow. I have to teach something else. Right. And so then I I said, is there a drama program in here? Yeah. What do you know about <laughs> drama? I'm a drama minor. What do I know about <laughs> drama? And so then I just started directing plays. Wow. I just did it. I just huh. said I need to direct some plays. Nice. And that's how I ended up doing mostly drama. And that's mm. and then the film side, that's the beauty of Vic was I was able to teach screenwriting. I was teaching I was yes. able to teach filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I did teach uh, the odd English course there because somebody um outed me and said, <laughs> You realize this guy's got five degrees. <laughs> 
which well, doesn't work very well on a blog post no, right, yeah, because got, there's no yeah, camera. You can't see that. But anyway, yeah, so I gave them the cut sign, and they said, <laughs> you have an English degree? You're teaching this. <laughs> well, and, and so, because, yeah. of course, at that, there was a time when education money got cut, and, yeah. and a lot of teachers were teaching a lot of things. That, That's true. Things yeah. were a little So tighter. it was, yeah, so I, I have English background. Uh, I have a, some drama training. Uh, my film training is is AFI. My acting training is American Academy. So yeah, I've I've yeah, um, a little all. bit of a junkie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I guess I'll fast forward us a little bit to to, to the point where I, you know I'm in I'm in high school, meet you. Yeah. We, you know we did all kinds of amazing things, and and now of course looking back on it, I see the way you were engaging students was very intentional and 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 you know we i think students at any time at any level can be like oh, i'll just get through this day as opposed to like really being intentional about the way they're learning because it's a very passive thing right so i think i think you worked really hard to engage in a different way and i think i think you know people can be critical of that uh, that maybe you're goofing around but actually i think you were connecting with students and can probably continue to connect with students on their level a little bit more uh so and and so what what one thing that you did that was amazing at Vic was Dare, and that's something I'd love to talk about because it kind of plays into when you were being an, doing English instruction at Vic as well. That's is that where that started to come exactly about? Exactly yeah. right. That's the whole segue. In. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you should run a blog. <laughs> so yeah, so same thing, almost the same. So they said, okay, you got to teach English. So I'm in there teaching this English class. First day, maybe five minutes in. Maybe, oh, I don't think, ten? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I'm sure it wasn't 10 because okay. this is a more recent memory. Right. Yeah. And I'm teaching these kids and it wasn't an English class. It was a special English class. Ah, okay. Couldn't be more special. All right. In fact, there was even a girl in the class who, uh, uh, who said to Angela Ropo, my TA, who I ended up roping in to excuse the pun, to working on all the films I did at Vic, and she yep. got excited about it. Didn't have to do it, and just she really supported me in all the film yeah. projects I did there. And um, sh she and I used to always laugh about this. How a girl came to her after class one time and said, uh, uh, "Miss Ropo, um, is this a special class?" <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and, she, and she she didn't say anything, right? And so <laughs> so anyway, but the way I look at it is. Um, you 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 do have uh, like a standard English class. You do have classes that are maybe considered to be non-academic, and then you do have also some classes where maybe students have um, learning needs beyond yeah. just mm -hmm. regular needs. And I, I kind of think that I, I even though I have maybe more education than I need, um, I think I am really suited to that underdog. I really mm. relate to that. I, I always I always think of my students as you know future characters in in future I, screenplays. Yeah. And anyone I, who's I, been yeah, your yeah, a student of yours knows that. Yeah. Have <laughs> yeah, not even I don't even have to share that. They know of what right. what's going on. Yeah. And so I I I've always felt like in a lot of ways the more education a person has, the further distance they are and the further alienated they are from the students who need them the most. Mm -hmm. And so I, I never felt like my education was the thing that helped me. Um, and, and I always related to um, teachers who were non-academic teachers, even though I was for sure that. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I had this guy in Wetaskiwin named Merv Sykes. I've even referenced him before. I even ran into him years later. And he said, are you still you used to selling that idea? And I said, yeah, man, you're <laughs> legendary, even if you don't want to be legendary. But he was a carpentry teacher, you know, industrial arts teacher. And the first day, I don't know why all my stories start with the first day. <laughs> I, I remember stuff right off the bat, and then I don't remember anything. The rest, that. who cares? But yeah. it's the master shot, Matt. Right, I remember yeah. the opening scene. Yeah. And then the rest, <laughs> that'll just fill it in. Right. And the first day he taught in the school that I was at back in Wetaskiwin, uh, we're sitting around lunch, and he goes, uh, you know what? I kind of think that the classroom is an unnatural learning environment. Mm, mm. And I go, what? <laughs> and I wrote it down, and... I, I actually think about that all the time and variations on that, that, hmm. that I, I sort of always felt like that was true. Mm -hmm. And the other irony is now that I'm at Nate and now I teach teachers here. Oh, um, well, that's the secret. You bury the lead there. <laughs> exactly. Nice. <laughs> For both of us. Right. That, um, that I've always, the, the thing that we do at Nate is called outcomes-based education. And it's the whole idea that people come to Nate, people come to SATE to get jobs. They mm -hmm. don't come for just a, a theoretical education. Right. It's got to be practical. Right. And I've always, uh, that's the way I taught it. Vic, I didn't call it that. I right. didn't know it was that, but I instinctively knew if I want to make films, I've even shared this with your class. I went to the school board and said, so I want to start this course and I want to teach people how to make films. And they said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to teach them how to make films by making a film. Uh -huh. And they go, we don't get it. So, the, well, <laughs> the thing is that why don't we do sort of a practical thing? So what are you saying? I'm saying, why don't we teach them how to make the film by making a film crazy go, crazy yeah, idea, yeah. I, I, I well you're gonna have to think about <laughs> no, that. no 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 so what does that have to do yeah so yeah so I, and I didn't get that far on it but but I started doing kind of things on my own to say that it feels like I mean I do understand what they were saying that that I basically said I'm gonna make this feature film I'm gonna write the script I'm gonna direct it and then I'll get involved in the editing mm. in this case like Matt Gillespie helped me with the editing right and so their thought might have been, so where's the room for the students? But there's a difference between being in class, and that's the experience you had. If you're mm -hmm. in video 15, 25, 35, you're making videos, you're making projects. If you're in a junior high video class, you're making videos, the students are working, you should do that. But there's also a place for inspiring students mm. and leading students and taking them to the next level. And if, if I'm asking a student to do something that I can't do myself, I don't think the light goes on in the same way if I say, instead of me saying, Matt, here's your little project idea. You guys go make some videos and I'll make another and I'll make another and I'll give you a mark and give you a mark, give you a mark. Mm -hmm. If I say, why don't we go make a film? Why don't I lead you to make a film? Right. And as you know, Marilyn Halverson, the old fake trip to Sate. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't got to that yet, but right. didn't tell you what I was doing. I went down the side road. It's okay. Trust me. Trust me. Um, I, I just didn't feel you needed to know. Right. And, uh, but it's the whole idea of why can't we do this? Mm. And so back to that English class, um, I was teaching this class and I was doing a novel called Dare, Marilyn Halverson. And Marilyn Halverson is a, um, a teacher from Sundry, Alberta, who um, submitted a novel in a contest that used to be called the first uh, Young Alberta Novelist Award. Okay. Similar to what you did as a first, uh, a first, first filmmaker, first feature. Right. And they used to have this through Alberta Culture years ago, and she submitted it and won. 
And Ann Wheeler, the former National Film Board filmmaker who then made feature films like Bye Bye Blues, hmm. she um, got a hold of the novel and got the rights to it and made a feature film called Cowboys Don't Cry based on her novel. And so then when she wrote Dare, Dare was on the curriculum uh, of high, of the grade, it was on the grade 10 curriculum. Right. And I happened to be teaching grade 10 English, which with this group of students that um, struggled in English. And so I was sitting there one day and we were reading the novel and, and then I realized these, these folks are not reading and ultimately they weren't good readers. Some of them couldn't read. So then I decided... Well, I'm going to read them the whole book. Mm. And I read the whole novel to them. And of all the things that I did that year, I would say, honestly, like, yes, I try things and I feel like I'm an engaging teacher. Yeah. But I don't really think I got through to them. But that, but when I read Dare from top to bottom, you know, teacher just stood up there and read it to them. They were moved by it. Mm. And Dare was about foster children and it was about a fire and many uh, and during the reading of that book, every time I got to the end of the chapter, a discussion broke out about how you know my mom's on <laughs> drugs and yours isn't, and who's more needy, right. and it went ballistic. And so I, right. I I learned to stop and just let the say nothing happen, yeah. and let them go, let them go, let them go. And that's when I realized, okay, I'm I'm getting through to them. Mm. So then I started thinking about. I want to do a series called Celebrate Alberta, which is what Dare was. Then all, ultimately we did one called Stitches. I did, right. I did two features yep. while I was at Vic. Yep. Would like to have done more, but yep. that's, that's as far as I got. And basically it was, let's take a novel that's being taught in a classroom. Let's ask uh, uh, the author for the rights. If they say no, let's go to the next author. Um, let's make the, let's get novels with adolescent main characters Let's get novels that aren't period mm -hmm. so that we don't have to, to worry about, worry about budgets. Yeah, yeah. Let's get novels whose setting, not just Alberta writers, but it's set on the prairie so I can physically shoot it. Right. And hopefully let's get novels that have sequels so then when we make the film, the teacher doesn't have to read the book to the students. They can show them the film right. and then maybe hook them into reading another story by that right. author. Nice. That was my big vision. Right. And then meanwhile, off we went. We made the film. And um, I remember, again, I remember the first day. <laughs> no. That is weird. Is this a recurring motif here? What's going on here, Matthew? I remember sitting down with them and saying, the reason why I would like to make a feature film is... Um, because the odds are we're not going to succeed. Mm. And none of you are going to go into the film industry. You're all going to go into whatever you're going to do. But if we can hang in and you can last it out, I'm not going to give up on this. And if we do happen to get it done, even if it isn't perfect, mm -hmm. you will never be the same again. Mm. So anyway, we shot the film. And the interesting thing is after it was over, all the main crew in that film, every single one of them, went into the film industry. Right. They all went to right. Sate. Some went of them to went to Manuel. Yeah, was, yeah, all those yeah. guys, Jordan Paul, they all yeah. but that wasn't my goal and I don't I don't measure success or failure of that project based on right. that and I meant it when I said it. Well, because I was there for the premiere and yeah. and the success was you also cast some of the students in that in like the lead actor was one of your students in that English From class. From that English From class. That class. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. And I had There was a stunt, yeah. there was fire. It was yeah. it was it was a huge it's a big deal. So I I, yeah. I just want to I do want to pause cuz yeah. 
you're not downplaying it, but yeah. But I just want to make sure that the listeners know that that you made a feature film in a high school setting with high school students. And of course, it's kind of a unique high school because there were actors, there were there was gear to use, there were filmmakers, there were people who were all there, audio people. So so you had a pool of people to use, but to make a feature film in a high school environment and it's good and it and it really worked out and that premiere night was so good and so fun for everyone. The people who got to participate, I could see they were changed by it, yeah. you know. Um, and that you know that premiere night is the is the it all coming to, to fruition. So I just want to point out how crazy that is. And then you did it again with stitches. So yeah. and so so is that film? Do they play it now? Do they still use it? Is it part of the curriculum at all? Or? Uh, I, I'm not sure uh, how much they're using it. I mean, teachers have it. Some yeah. use it. Some don't. Right. I, I would say that um, it's funny how distribution is distribution, mm. and where. That's a big thing that, uh, I mean, we won't get into that. I mean, your blogs are about that. But starting a film, raising money, finding an audience, mm-hmm. getting it out there, maintaining yeah. an audience, these are complicated issues. For and sure. I would say, um, obviously, why wouldn't they be using this? Mm-hmm. And um, probably it's it's a, a little underutilized. I, I have to say, I don't know if it's still being read. But I do get um, emails all the time to say, a friend of mine is teaching dare so it's it's still out there it's on the list and people find out about it and they hear about the novel and they hear about the film and they do seek it out mm-hmm. so it's not like it is same with stitches yeah it's out there stitches was also unique because uh, i connected it with um alberta community services and right. a part of a bullying campaign right, right, then right, we right. then we did a uh, we did a live um 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 television link uh, for National Bullying Week across Canada, and we had phone-in calls. And um, so that had another whole life. Wow. Uh, and I decided to tie a theme in because I was able to raise dollars through the theme, not mm. the actual film mm-hmm. per se. And and that's a different story. Dare was more driven by the literature. Right. Every film, as you know, is different. For so sure. so that had a beautiful life of its own as well. So and so and yeah. when do, was that shot on like evenings and weekends? Is that where students would would have to go, or was uh, it yeah. was there some class time? Zero. So everyone was kind of volunteering. It wasn't even 100%. they weren't getting any credit school wise for. Um, they were getting credit school wise, but but the deal was, um. You got to have 125 credits, oh, okay. 125 hours for five credits. And these guys probably had their 125 hours in, in like the first two weeks. Right, yeah. And by the time they were done, they probably put in, you know, 1200 hours right. into it. Wow. Dare was shot, uh, from, um, March through to June of, uh, 2003 over 33 consecutive weekends. Whoa, wow. No middle-of-the-night shooting, and night shooting and motorcycle jumps and horses going through barns. Yeah. In fact, Matt Gillespie's daughter, who got a part in a film in England, and he did the process. So we had to run the horse through the barn and just with lights and then burn the barn, and then he did a match process. And he edited that scene, did the special effects on a plane flying (laughs) from Calgary to London wow. to support his daughter in wow. a film. We won't get into that. Crazy. But, but that film couldn't have been edited. Um, it couldn't have been completed without essentially a professional taking over. Right. But the reason I justified it is Matt Gillespie 
is still a student of mine. Mm. It doesn't matter if it was <laughs> 10 years earlier. Yeah. He, he often says to me, uh, you know, I, I promised I wouldn't share this, so I'll just share it now because <laughs> who's going to hear this? Right, no. But he, he would often say to me, you realize now I run a business, <laughs> to which I would say, not much. And he'd say, you realize you're the only one I still do stuff for for free. Right, right. And my answer to him was, um, you realize that you're my former student and you always will be. Mm. And so, right, I mean... I, I, it doesn't change, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why you do... That. And that's why it's so wonderful that, you know, the people I went to AFI with, the people that I worked with at Vic, the students I had at Vic, you always have your... Wherever you went to school, that is always there forever and ever mm. and ever. Mm-hmm. And that's a wonderful for, thing. So, yeah. And then Joe Media picked up a, a couple Ampia nominations for... for Dare, right? Yeah. Was it, were, were there some wins? I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Joe Media, um, we got, um, let's see, we got three nominations, or maybe it was four, for actually the, this goes back to the 16 mil stuff, so it would have been pre-Joe Media. Yeah, uh, let's see, Dare. I guess Dare did, did it? I, I, I know it yeah, was yeah. nominated. Yeah, Dare, yeah, Dare got a nomination, that's right. Yeah, clips, yeah, Stitches yeah. got a nomination, that's right, they yeah. all did. Um uh, I don't under what category. Yeah, and then yeah, or, that's right. Yeah. So so that was good because um, yeah, I I there I'll tell you the way that worked. This was uh, interesting. I couldn't compete at the college level with Nate or Sate because it was a high school. Right. So I had to compete on the open market. Right. <laughs> so it was simply a feature film that right. happened to be shot by high school students. There you go. And um, yeah, so yeah, that's right. Both <laughs> so of those yeah, were, nominated at yeah, least. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh man, another great interview. Hooray! For the people uh, in the film community here in Alberta, I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to uh, to hang out and, mm-hmm. and chat. So, so tell me about Luma Quarterly. Yeah, Scott. well, we've talked about Luma Quarterly like a lot, yeah, but uh, yeah. but the call for submissions is still open. So mm-hmm. uh, if you have something that you want to um, apply to to have in this publication, you definitely want to check out lumaquarterly.com. Uh, submissions are due. May 22nd, and successful applicants will be notified by June 5th. Um, so, yeah. Now, uh, an, an issue of Luma just came out. What, what issue is that? What issue number? Oh, my God. What a great question, Matt. <laughs> the answer is four. Four. Yes. Uh, and, uh, so, it's quarterly, and this yeah. marks the one-year oh, anniversary. One year. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. It's an important one. Yeah. Um, I, I watched Dan Olson's wonderful video essay on right. Cuff and somehow also superman superman yeah. versus batman batman versus superman did you like it it was excellent yeah, yeah it's nice. it's a fantastic video actually i was I, I really enjoyed it good content uh did you know that the big rock eddies uh is it's now a short film festival and not not just the, beer commercials yeah did you ever do any of these eddies i never i never actually did participate in, oh. in I, a single one but a lot of people do yeah i, I did uh, in high in uh yeah when i was going to say it i made mm-hmm. some they were that. fun yeah, they were yeah, a good time. Our, our friend cool. Tyler Provincial took a beer in the face and flew across the yard. It was <laughs> a good time. Right. That was funny. Uh, so what is it now exactly? Do you? I, yeah, it, well, I see it's, that it's a short film festival. That's with right. A, with a theme this year. Yes. Which is Trailblazer. Right. And But it's not like a 48-hour No, no, certainly not. Concept, no, no. no. Uh, um, but it's nice because the first place cash prize of $10,000. Oh, so the money's still there. Yeah, the money's still there. Um, That's good. And it's cool. I think it's it's really great that, uh, that Big Rock does this for the community and kind of um, gets people who are thinking about getting into it, kind of gives them a deadline. And, mm-hmm. and same with uh, established filmmakers, something to kind of 
have some fun with. So yeah. Now, is it something that hey, I I finished my short film six months ago. Can I can I submit? Because that was kind of the idea was that you have to well, you got to make st- a fresh yeah, and you got to stick to their theme. Obviously, the Trailblazers right, theme, right, right? right? But this is cool because they partnered with the Calgary Underground Film Festival and the Calgary International ah. Film Festival. So the winning Eddie will uh, continue onto the festival circuit. Uh, and we'll be at both uh, SIF and CUF in their short film program. So That's great. it's kind of a, a different way in uh, if you mm-hmm. want to try to get into those festivals. Um, speaking of getting into festivals, there's a friggin' badass festival in Toronto called the Toronto Urban Film Festival. Tough. Um, oh. it, it's it's free if you if you apply before May 15th with a one minute silent film. So uh, this is their 10th anniversary, the 10th annual Tough. Uh, Urban Film Festival will bring the best one-minute silent films from around the world to Toronto subway subway platforms from September 10th to 18th. Um, so that's cool. It's kind of a, a different way to screen your film. Mm-hmm. Um, Very cool. And uh, so, yeah, check it out and uh, apply. Yeah, so check out the Indigi 60 Indigenous Youth Film Contest. It's a bit of a mouthful. But it is a cool festival that uh, is going to welcome up to 12 uh, films under five minutes in length by Indigenous filmmakers um, and is it nationwide? I'm trying to see. Uh, it takes place in Ottawa, August 10 to 14. and uh, Nationwide. Nationwide. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, and indigenous youth in rural or urban areas, first-time filmmakers, or those with only access to using smartphones or non-professional equipment are all encouraged to apply, which is sweet. Watch this segue. You're going to shit your pants. Give me. You know what else is nationwide? Air Canada. Ooh. And now's the time to apply for the Air Canada En Route Film Festival. Wait, isn't Air Canada internet? Never mind. Shh. <laughs> it was the worst segue in, in the history of the year. <laughs> but um, emerging Canadian filmmakers are invited to submit their films to be broadcast on Air Canada flights um, and win some cool prizes, including a cash prize for the best short film and an all-inclusive trip to the 2017 Berlin International Whoa, Film Festival. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's open to all... Uh, Canadian filmmakers, you must uh, have been a student attending a formal film studies institution um, oh, or receiving informal training in film, such as through workshops and apprenticeships anywhere in the world as of September 2014th, but you also have to be a Canadian citizen. Cool. Uh, it's free to enter, and the deadline is May 31st at the end of the month. So uh, get those short films in and uh, get your short film into disguise. You and I, Scott, are big fans of the National Screen Institute. We've been through the Features First program, which I've I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, though. No. I've said it. We haven't gone too far into it. Um, but, uh, but they have a, a brand new uh, program, a brand new course called the uh, Business for Producers program. You know what? That sounds great, but it doesn't sound like it's for me in Western Canada. In fact, it's only only for people in Western Canada, huh? thanks to On Screen Manitoba, which How can is this be? Uh, the partner in, in the uh, program. And uh, it's aimed at Western Canadian content producers in television, film, and digital media, running small to mid-sized businesses. Um, and it's all about kind of growing your business and, uh, and you know, getting involved with, with international sales and, and the international marketplace. Um, so it's definitely something to check out in the show notes if you have a company that you'd like to grow. But the the, the only problem with this is that the, the deadline to apply is coming up quickly, May 30th. Very quickly. Yes. And uh, you will be going up against Matt and Scott. Because <laughs> this is awesome. And I'm going that for out this. There, yeah. I'm going for this thing. Let's do it. Um, so let's all uh, go yeah, together. It sounds Hooray. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about this last week, but uh, I want to bring it up again. The animation lockdown is coming uh, with Quick Draw Animation from May 20th to 23rd over the May Long weekend. Uh, hang out at Quick Draw, um, drink lots of caffeine, eat lots of fun food, and uh, make an entire uh, animated short film from beginning to end. Uh, the theme this year is the beginning is the end is the beginning, uh, which which melts my brain. Uh, $50 for producing members of Quick Draw or $100 for non-members, uh, and includes a year-long production membership. 
uh, fees per person. Uh, so this one fills up fast. Definitely uh, check out quickdrawautomation.ca and register today. And Fava has a really cool thing coming up called the uh, Film Reel Info Session. And What's Film Reel? Film Reel is an app that they've created. Uh, and it's all about um, cooperative media arts management. So I don't know that much about it, but it seems to be like a really cool tool where you can bring in all of your information and, and people and and, uh, and databases and important things like that and uh, and kind of put everything in one place and manage it all. I suppose um, the point of the info session is to find out more. I guess so, yeah. So it, it sounds pretty powerful and I'm hearing good things about it. So I definitely would recommend you checking it out May 17th at 6 p.m. in Fava's exhibition, exhibition suite and check out uh, the link in the show notes for more information. Fava is also looking for casino volunteers on May 22 and 23. So uh, go ahead and get involved if you are looking for some Fava bucks uh, to help with your, uh, to, to get, I think you get cheaper rentals with Fava Bucks. You can exchange okay. them. Is kind of the deal. Um, so yeah, go volunteer. Hooray! Uh, if you are up in Edmonton, there's a cool filmmakers forum coming. A conversation with uh, Michael Dows, who uh, we all know is the director of Goon, Fubar, and It's All Gone, Pete Tong. Um, all really good movies. So join this gentleman for an intimate onstage conversation where he will share stories from his career and offer advice to independent filmmakers. Um, thanks to Optic Local and Story Hive for putting this together. Um, it is Thursday, May 12th at Sir Winston Churchill Square Art Gallery of Alberta. Conversations at 6 o'clock, and then there's a networking cocktail time uh, at 7.15. Mm. It's free and open to the public. There is no reason not to go. <laughs> Agreed. There is no reason, Agreed. unless you're yeah. in Calgary and don't want to drive up there. And like StoryHive just, and TELUS just continues to be so awesome and supportive. What a great opportunity for people to meet and chat with right. a, a filmmaker who has accomplished so much. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you can't just show up though. You must RSVP and spaces are limited. So mm. uh, send an email to RSVP at enroutefilm.com. The event is for adults 18 plus. Adults only. Adults, big people only. Elements of Light, FSAC, welcome gathering and screening. The CSIF uh, and uh, the Film Studies Association of Canada are putting on this event on May 30th. Uh, starts at 7 p.m. and the show is at 8. It's happening at the UFC. And uh, it is part of the annual FSAC conference, which runs from May 30th to June 1st. Um, so check out the show notes for more information on that. Uh, the CSAF, uh, twice a year, hosts a member screening and director's talk where they showcase the best of the members' latest films. Um, and it's also a great place to network and chat. Uh, tickets can be purchased for $10 um, in advance or at the Theater Junction Grand at the door. Uh, this is on May, 27, May 24th at 7 p.m. at Theater Junction. So definitely check that out. And uh, say hi to your local filmmakers. Yeah. And another CSIF event is the Secret Cinema Summer Session. Four events happening this summer. The first one's coming up on Tuesday, May 17th at 9 o'clock at the CSIF. And uh, it's, uh, it's this really cool thing where someone curates. I think we actually, a few weeks back, we probably put out the call for curators um, for this. So someone gets to pick something from the over 2,000 uh, film library that was inherited by the CSIF from the Calgary Public Library and they do a Q&A and a little chit chat about the film and uh, then you watch it so there are four of them uh, coming up the first one is May 17th so there's a filmmaker in Edmonton Matt his name's Scott just like me hmm. but his last name is Portingale not like me I know Scott Portingale. Whoa. That's amazing. I haven't seen or heard from him in years. That's well, you amazing. know Scott Westby too. Let's not. <laughs> anyway, so he's created something, uh, a work that he calls Infinitude. Mm. Um, it is an art installation um, at the Ortona Armory Artist in Residence. Mm -hmm. This is a virtual reality experience, Matt. Cool. And it's, it's presented like this. Enter, lie down, slip on some headphones, and look up. 
Look Up is a cosmic contemporary art installation that simulates stargazing and through visuals portrays the story of the evolution of the universe. Whoa. In an 8x8 box, viewers lie down on a lawn, in quotes, of artificial turf turf, as Portingale's experimental film, Infinitude, is projected on the ceiling. So, I'm not sure how that's virtual reality, but uh, it feels like it is. Yeah, somehow. well, I guess it's interactive. Right, interactive, uh, yeah. The, the installation will also include large-scale prints, animated media, and a galactic sand painting. This sounds awesome. This sounds friggin' sweet. <laughs> um and I know Scott, wonderful guy. That's yeah. great. So is, so is the other one that you know. Um, <laughs> viewings of the film are limited to two people at a time. So you do have to RCP with an uh, approximate yeah, time of interest. Um, so this is happening May 6th from 3 to 9 p.m., May 7th from 1 to 4 p.m., May 9th from 5 to 8 p.m., and May 13th from 3 to 8 p.m. And that's it. And it's in the... Or- oh, yeah. So a limited limited yeah. possibility to see this. Interesting. Yeah. Why don't you tell us how cool Scott is? <laughs> it's it's interesting as well. I think it's in the same building as Fava, okay. the Artona Gallery. So uh, if you know where that is, you know where to find that uh, interesting experience. Uh, the Super 8 production uh, course is uh, coming up from the CSIF. It's happening on May 14th from 10 a.m. to 5, uh, to 5 p.m. And it's $100 uh, for members and 140 for non-members. And it's instructed by the wonderful Kyle Whitehead, who's the production coordinator at the CSIF. And it's just going to be a, a wonderful little uh, how-to uh, showing you the ins and outs of Super 8 and and film stocks and workflows and uh, how to work with the Super 8. And uh, Kyle's certainly the one to learn it from. He's awesome. So check that out. Directors take note. You know what's interesting? There's all these workshops, but not all of them are about the craft of directing. In fact, mm. I don't know if we've ever shared one before, except for maybe Upstart. Yeah. But uh, the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers is having a workshop next Thursday, May 19th, from 6 to 9 p.m., called Working with Actors Blocking. Mm. Um, so it's it's someone named Berkeley Brady, and he's going to be taking you through the fundamentals of blocking, how to break down your scenes and create a floor plan from your script, how to work with and make adjustments with actors on set. Cool. That sounds really great. Um, yeah, so it's 65 bucks for members, 105 for non-members. Um, check it out at csif.org. And I just did a quick Google of Berkeley. I, I think uh, it's a female. I, you know what? I, I, thought, I, I thought it might be <laughs> as, as I said it. Just Sorry, Berkeley, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> I'll correct myself. I don't know for sure either, but uh, quick Google search, search seems to bring that up. Okay, so uh, what's shooting right now? Wrapping up is the Salutrian. I guess actually it's probably going to be done uh, by the time this comes out, but um, definitely check out more information on that. DGC website has some info if you're interested. And uh, Story Hive is also coming up. Uh, yeah, everyone got their, got their prize monies. They're probably getting into production pretty quick here. Yes. Yeah. Well. Exactly. Uh, and and so ten ten different web series web series pilots, right, yeah. and, and music videos. And last week I I, I shouted out all of them, um, but I forgot that two were actually from Fort McMurray. Rig Pigs is also a Fort McMurray. Right. Yes. Of course. Which is and so you know they admit that right now that the future of those two productions is a little unsure, but it is really cool that two two productions from Fort Mac uh, are are going. That's very exciting. Definitely. <clears throat> um, CTV Calgary is hiring part-time ENG camera editor. Responsibilities include prepare, set up, align, carry, and operate a portable electronic camera, lighting equipment, and recording unit for field reporters. An electronic camera? An elec- electronic. Oh, interesting. Same word. Operate mobile truck, <laughs> um, consult with producers, uh, non-linear editing, acquiring satellite feeds, shoot promos and commercials as required, and other duties as assigned. I've only been using the non-electronic camera. Mine have so. usually been like the hand crank ones. Right, yeah. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, apply um, to jeff.little at bellmedia.ca. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to recommend uh, 
Captain America Civil War. I hate you. And I'm going to tell you why, because that's the story of that film is masterful. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm not going to get no spoilers. No spoilers. I hate spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, but, but purely from a storytelling perspective, it's important to watch this film because it, it, it it's one of the best written superhero movies I think I've ever seen. Right. Um, and Cap, it, well, when Cap dies at the end, it's pretty tragic, <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, no, what's what's really cool about it is that there are so many characters. It's definitely an Avengers movie, really. Um, and there are, are, are so many different storylines going on. And to manage them all properly is really hard. And to keep the surprises coming, there's, yeah. there's a huge surprise that... Um, what is it? JK, I didn't don't see coming and, <laughs> and is so well included in, in the story. Um, it's not just jammed in there. It's a great... Yeah, I want to read the script because it's just wow. a quality screenplay. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a piece of hardware. Oh. Yeah. And the piece of hardware is the Tascam 70D. This is an audio recorder, the same recorder that we record the pod, the Alberta Filmmakers podcast on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very cool 4XLR input recorder that also takes quarter-inch plugs and even an eighth-inch uh, headphone jack. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a little uh, thread on the top. So if you're shooting on, on SLR cameras... You can thread this right onto your camera and then thread the tripod right on that. And suddenly, your SLR becomes a camera with four XLR inputs. Yeah, and there's awesome. little dials to mix on the go. It's yeah. perfect for uh, some lightweight audio recording. It's a must if you're, it, if you're DSLR filmmaker. Yeah, and we, we use it all the time to plug into audio boards to catch um, presentation mm-hmm. audio and stuff like that. So, uh, And it's not super expensive. I just recommended this to Scott Lepp, and I think he picked one up because mm-hmm. uh, they're wonderful. So check it out, Tascam 70D. Get them uh, at various locations around Calgary. Yeah. It doesn't really hold your hand, though. Like, it's a little bit complex uh, if you want to do anything other than just kind of simply yeah. recording. But uh, whereas the Zooms, I find, are a little The more Zooms are a bit more user-friendly, yeah. for sure, yeah. But not but quite as flexible. That's not a bad thing, necessarily. No. Yeah. So uh, that's it. That's all. Special thanks to Briar, as always, for uh, putting the news together. And it's so robust. She's got all these sources and uh, just crushes it every year. And I'm not saying that because she's staring at me right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, Briar. Yay, thank you. Pop, pop, she says. And uh, you can reach us at hello at abfilmcast.ca if you would like to get in touch. And you can always connect with us on social, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud. It's all abfilmcast. And if you haven't already subscribed, it's time to subscribe. Yeah, and give us those sweet, sweet five-star ratings. That's right. All and right. you know what? Share it with uh, the emerging filmmakers in your life. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like there's a lot of great resources in here for people who are looking to get started um, and might not know how or mm-hmm. uh, even where to get started starting. So, uh, yeah. yeah, fire the link around and uh, we have to use this resource for as many people as possible. Totally. So that's it. That's all. We'll talk to you next week. And in the meantime, go, go make something. something.